Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany. Welcome everyone. It is so great to talk to you today and you can see me now on YouTube. If you're following along, you get to see everything we're doing, listen to everything we're talking about, and we're so excited to be here. So follow me along on YouTube, Tiffany Blackman, everyone. So today I have brought another fabulous friend and a great colleague back in the studio today. And I'm so excited because she has more information. I mean, the first time she came was episode number 82 back in 2021. It seems like forever ago we're on, gosh, number 129 or so at this point. But Sky Women's Health, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So good to see you again. You oh, my well. goodness. It's been, the summer is over. You just yes. explained. Mm-hmm. Kids are back in school. Kids are back in school. Praise Are you God. sad? No, delighted, <laughs> delighted. Thank God for teachers. So yes. I know. Thank you, teachers out there everywhere. Oh my goodness. So we are bringing you information. Um, we talked about last time you are not broken. Mm-hmm. We talked about mental and physical health. You are a board certified OB/GYN, and you also are North American Menopause Society cert- certified practitioner. Mm-hmm. So explain how this is so fabulous for me. Mm-hmm. as a patient. Yeah. So in OBGYN residency, we really get a really heavy OBGYN training, right? Our our gynecology is as robust as it can be. Our menopause medicine is somewhat sparse. And I feel like that I just didn't have enough information to really treat patients adequately. And so I had been eyeing this and you know, years ago when I helped develop a gynecology program for a hormone replacement therapy clinic, I was really paying attention and I thought, we are just preying on the insecurities of women and not taking great quality care of women in this phase of life. And we're all gonna go through it. The average age of menopause is 51. So when you have an average, you're gonna have people on either side of that. You know, um, I've had patients who've come in and their providers have told them, it's too early to start hormone oh, replacement gosh. therapy. Mm-mm. Like you're just gonna go through menopause when you come off of it. Um, you're too young, like your symptoms are all in your head. And they come and see me, I listen to them, I hear them, I do their labs and we move forward with their postmenopausal treatment because I don't care if they're 42, that's sure. what we've got. When the average age of menopause is 51, you can start having symptoms of perimenopause, that time around menopause, seven to 10 years. I mean, wow. late 30s, you could even start having. And so sometimes it's a good question to ask, you know, your mom when she went through menopause to kind of have an idea of like what, what to look for or what to expect. But in regards to your question, the reason it matters so much is that you really want somebody who listens and who's going to work with you to provide quality care. Because at this phase in life, you now have different health concerns, cardiovascular, diabetes, you know, we might be less physically active, you know, what is kind of playing into our general overall health that could then be affecting our sexual health. And, you know, most of the time, sexual function disorders are not diagnosed, not treated, and we're undertreated because patients aren't asking about it because they don't know, but then doctors aren't asking about it because then they don't know what to do with it, right? It's like that opens a can of worm and I can't do that in 15 minutes, you know? And so we ask, you know, are you sexually active? But does your doctor ever ask you, are you able to have an orgasm? Does it hurt when you have sex? What do you think the barriers are to having good sex, right? right? Because we don't want to have sex that's not good. No, no. <laughs> we don't, our brain is smart. We want to avoid sex that hurts, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So 
that's it. Just, it matters so much because I don't want women taken advantage of. I want you to get good quality care. So you need to look for a North American Menopause Society certified practitioner, NAMS. You can go to the website NAMS um, and look up a practitioner in your area. But if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you can come see me at Sky Women's Health. Mm-hmm. You can come see Dr. Moyers, and we'll have all that information. So let me back up here. Let's talk to those of the the women that are listening right now and men perhaps that are that have females in their life. What is the sign of menopause? Like what is I mean perimenopause? Like what are you feeling? Yeah, so so what feelings are you brain fog, uh depression, anxiety, um irritation? irregular bleeding. So periods may space out, they may become heavier, they may become, you know, just completely irregular. You don't even recognize your cycle anymore. You may have vaginal dryness, itching, um, hot flashes, like the hot and hot flashes is actually a risk for uh, disrupted sleep and cardiovascular disease. So it's really important that we treat these hot flashes, that we address them. But those are kind of the early symptoms that we start seeing. And then the pure definition of being menopausal is 12 months without a cycle. Right. But that might be confusing for somebody who's had an ablation or they've had where the lining of the uterus has been burned and so they're not bleeding or they've had a hysterectomy or they have a progesterone IUD and so they're not having a cycle. So then how do you define that, right? So you look at the symptoms and potentially incorporate the labs and make a decision from there. And it's so complicated. Everyone, it's not one size fits all. It's not one size fits all. No, that's why you need a NAMS provider to really go through the details and listen to you. Because if your hormone therapy is not working for you, it's usually one of three things. It's usually the dose or the formulation or the route. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, you and I were talking before, we've talked before, we just talked before the show. How many people are on a corner that are providing hormone health care um, and are just literally uneducated, do not know the facts, over, over diagnosing, over giving prescriptions? And I mean, and, and I've tried the pellets, you and I've had the pellet talks. They, they didn't work for me, it did not work for me. But my best friend, it works great for her. So again, mm-hmm. not one size fits all. But what's so frustrating, it's like, oh, okay, I can now be a hormone specialist or a therapist or whatever the case may be. Do you find that or am I just crazy? Uh, no, I think it does concern me, the number of clinics that we have popping up and just are we providing good quality medicine, right? right? Because we can really affect your overall health if we're just playing around with your hormones drastically, not to mention mood. Um, I, I really think that this takes a very customized approach and that's what we do at Sky. I mean, nothing is... Um, I don't, I mean, there's not a cookbook formula. Like you do it just like this and it's going to work perfectly for Tiffany. I have no idea how you're going to react. Right. And so it's not a one and done when it comes to hormone therapy. It really requires a relationship where you're working to get it right. And we may be steady for years. And then all of a sudden this isn't working anymore. Maybe we need to make an adjustment. Oh, I am the queen. Yeah. Because (laughs) I started, I think at 45 was when I had my first symptoms and, Mm -hmm. um, started very quickly with good health care, went to a professional, went to a not great person because I was moving. Um, I'm finally, I I don't understand what postmenopause is and I feel like, like they're just putting them out to pasture, but yeah. <laughs> you know, what is that? I mean, so you so, said I mean, now post. 
Right. So menopause officially is defined as being 12 months without a cycle. So for one day you're menopausal and then for the rest of your life, you're postmenopausal. So, you know, if the average age of menopause is 51, we're going to live another 30 or 40 years, potentially a third of our lives, you know, in postmenopause. So this is definitely a place where we need to be paying attention. We do not need to be ignoring these symptoms because really we want to look at your whole health, right? And Mm -hmm. it's so much more than just you know, oh, you don't have cardiovascular disease, you know, we have to really look at the social, emotional, mm-hmm. spiritual component, you know, the whole the whole body experience. And part of that is our sex drive, our connection with our partners, sure. um, you know, the relationships in our lives. And so when sex hurts, you don't want to have it. Right. Your brain is just going to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And so we need to just be mindful and ask these questions. But a lot of people aren't interested in asking those questions and they don't have time and space for that. And so um, I also felt like I didn't have a lot of information when it came to sexual medicine. And so I started really diving into that and I became a fellow of the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. And I'm taking their genitopelvic uh, pain course mm-hmm. um, that just started up this wow. month. And That's another podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting to really look at the research. And the thing that I love is that within the North American Menopause Society and within the International Society for the Women Study of Women's Sexual Health, it's a multidisciplinary approach. So you have counselors, therapists, physical therapists, researchers, physicians, you know, just the whole gamut of people who are really interested in these topics working collectively. Mm-hmm. It takes a village and a team, right? Yeah, right. I know, right. I know. And that's, that is so important. So several of my friends, I'm 57, are going through menopause. I hear it constantly. I have listeners and followers asking me about it. Um, like I said, my phase, um, it is, sex is painful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, someone was telling me the other day, they don't feel attractive. That's not, I don't feel that way. I'm just having a difficult time wanting to have mm-hmm. sex. Mm-hmm. Of course it is painful. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the, the the vaginal cream and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also think, we were talking about this earlier, there is a block in my mind. Mm-hmm. So isn't that true? If you were talking about psycho- psychologists being on your team, there's a block for me. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely a component of that. You know, when it comes to sexual wellness, we have, um, you know, your biology, your psychology, your social and cultural perspective. So how were you raised? What were the stories you were told about sex and your interpersonal life? And so when you talk about, you know, the the mental block, it could be a number of those Mm -hmm. things, right? You know, and a lot of times like I can, I can give you all the vaginal estrogen and maybe we start some Addy, but if you have a crappy relationship, Oh, but I do. I have a great relationship. I know. I know. I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about you specifically, Tiffany. But if you were having relationship trouble or struggle, or like, no wonder you don't want to have sex, right? Mm -hmm. You know, or you know, if it's always 11 p.m. whenever they're interested in sex, and we're not prioritizing it earlier in the day, and you're exhausted, you know, uh, sleep is going to win. That's true. That's that's true. Um, Dr. Celeste Holbrook, which is a friend of ours, uh, did a podcast with me, and it was called Negotiating Sex, Mm -hmm. and it was just that negotiating time. I mean, you're mm-hmm. busy parents, you're mm-hmm. working, you're tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, so on, it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Erectile dis- dysfunction. Right. You know, right. Uh, my husband and I, we've gone through this together and we're working hand in hand with it. Yeah. So and it's difficult when yeah. your partner has um, an ED disorder um, and then your wife's in menopause. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of negotiating. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot of healthcare, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, you have reduced blood flow. So what happens in menopause is that our estrogen, progesterone, testosterone levels, like everything is kind of plummeting. And But specifically estrogen, because we have estrogen receptors everywhere in our brain. We have it in our vagina. Our vagina loves estrogen. Estrogen for the vagina is like collagen for the face. And so I am all about preventative estrogen, estrogen. Everybody needs vaginal estrogen. Every It's safe for almost everybody. I've never had a um, oncologist tell me no for vaginal estrogen for a patient because it doesn't get a systemic absorption. And when I say systemic, we're t- think whole body, right? So if you're taking it orally or if you're taking it transdermally on your skin, it gets a systemic absorption. But vaginally, we don't see that increase in blood levels, but we're getting it vaginally where we need it. And that can come in a tablet, in a cream, in a ring, so many options. And 25% of patients who are on systemic estrogen still need vaginal estrogen. So they may still be having vaginal dryness symptoms. And so we add the vaginal estrogen in addition to. Mm-hmm. But I do want to make sure that we say specifically that it's a lie that postmenopausal women are not having satisfied sex, that they're having fewer, they actually report more satisfaction. They, it's not that they report more desire, okay? So we have different types of sexual desire. We have that spontaneous desire, right? Like when we're in our 20s, we're at a frat party or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Or you see somebody across the room, you like guys, you're like, oh yeah, that, you know? So that's our- <laughs> Once upon a time for me. Right, that's our spontaneous <laughs> yes. desire. Um, our responsive desire is like, we went to the party, maybe we weren't, we didn't throw the party, but we're, ex- you know, we have a good time while we're there, right. right? And so it's that response to the touch, the cuddling, et cetera. Right. Right. And so we have these two different kinds of desire. And as we age, we're going to have more of a responsive desire. And so postmenopausal women are actually very satisfied with sex. A lot of times they report more satisfaction, but Desire, <laughs> desire isn't the whole story. Oh my goodness! You're saying who? Who is that? <laughs> Where are y'all? Okay, so you're telling me that the majority of your friends are, are having pain and discomfort or lack of desire. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know, back to what we were talking about earlier. We, we, my age group, not talking about it. Now we are invited, like podcasts, like mm-hmm. you and I have, to talk about it. Yeah. So we are talking about it. And some people are still putting their head in the sands and don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Physicians and yeah. patients, right? Yeah. I'm talking about it. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. I, 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 You're right. Okay. Yes. But they are like, oh God, here we go again. I don't want to have sex. Great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But so here's the thing. Our, our vagina, as we age, the vaginal epithelium thins. Mm-hmm. We have less folds and less rugae. So it's less forgiving, less compliant, right? And so if we're not doing things to increase the blood flow, so one, vaginal estrogen, two, um, stimulation. So whether that is with a vibrator or a clitoral suction device, or we're you know having some great floor play that's paying attention to um, the clitoris. You know, our clitoris is the only organ that has... 8,000 nerve endings and is specifically for sexual desire. The penis has a lot of other functions, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. (laughs) Ours is just for pleasure, just for pleasure. And it's much larger than it looks. And now that you're on video, I really wish I would have brought my 3D uh, clitoris model, but it basically looks like a wishbone. So whenever you see the clitoris in diagrams, you're just seeing the 
tip of the iceberg. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we can put we can put some of these images in for sure if we get okay. a picture. Sure. For sure. We could do that, and so people can see, or maybe a video of you. Yeah. Yeah. With the model. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I Absolutely. mean, that would be so helpful because that is. I didn't realize that was the only job. Yeah. The only job. Okay. I didn't think about other things. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) The other thing is that the average size of a penis, the length of a penis is actually longer than the average vaginal length. Mm -hmm. And whenever we have an orgasm, the vagina actually becomes, it lengthens. And so it's more accommodating. Accommodating. Yes. Thank you. Okay. It's more accommodating. And so we need to prioritize our pleasure as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have in society, when we're talking about penis and vagina sex, can I say that on your podcast? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then, you know, we're often, the end point is, is that he orgasms, mm-hmm. right? Well, what about the woman? Because if you're having pleasurable sex, you're going to want to have more sex. Mm-hmm. That's true. That yeah. is true. That yeah. is true. You know, um, I was thinking about this when we were talking about it earlier. Um, the estrogen for the face is is for the vagina is like collagen for your face. Well, that resonates to me for mm-hmm. sure. And that resonates to so many people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I like to call it Botox for the vagina, but because we now nice. do Botox for hyper yes. tonic pelvic floor, I mean, I'm like, it's not really a good analogy. So collagen is probably a better analogy. Uh, Dr. Morris, I do yeah. want you to come back and talk about pelvic floor because I've had more followers and listeners ask about that, but we digress. But this estrogen, so tell me about this estrogen because here's my situation. I have a very dry vagina. Okay. So use the estrogen cream, but what about when you're having sex and it's dry way? I mean, you said the accommodating vagina. Lube is your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody should be using some lube. Absolutely. Yeah. Water-based lube is great, especially if you're going to be using any toys. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you you just need to try them out. Absolutely. Um, some of my favorite are Uber Lube and um, Good Clean Love has a good one. Um, you just want to be, I'm, KY is not my favorite mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sticky, tacky. Um, you want something that actually feels good and increases exactly. the, yeah. Exactly. Reduces the friction. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, so the estrogen for the vagina it's helping. What does it do again? It, so it's actually it's helping with so many things. It's helping the vaginal epithelium to actually, you know, um, stay moist and okay. and it improve the um, the texture of that right. skin. Um, it reduces urinary tract infections. It's good for so many reasons. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that is our friend. Yeah. For sure. Vaginal estrogen is your friend, and you'll use it till you die. Okay. So <laughs> let me. It's, I've, I tell my husband this all the time. You have a pill. You have a shot. You have yeah. all of these. Yeah. You have all of these tools. Mm-hmm. And I do get on my probably upset female soapbox about yeah. it. But I saw in your notes, and I listened to one of your podcasts, um, I have tried, is it Vilesi? Is yes. it Vilesi? Okay. I tried it probably, gosh, I probably went, first came on the market and I was listening to your podcast. It worked the first time for me. Mm-hmm. It did. It was like, mm-hmm. hallelujah. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Then the next dose, I got very nauseous. Okay. Which and, 40% of. Yeah. yeah. And I kept trying and kept trying. So it did not work for me. Now, this was probably, 
gosh, how long has that been on the market? For for a while? I mean, yeah. so it was, I, I probably need to try it again because y'all, it did work for me. The first time it was like, oh my gosh, my life has changed. <laughs> I mean, I get it. The Viagra, I get it. Yeah. But then it it just, I have a Next very sensitive, so yeah. yeah. But then there's other options right. too, right? So let's work through that, right? So, and I do want to say that medications, sexual pleasure is, is, complex for women, but that doesn't mean that there are no solutions. Okay. So I, I think that so often we've just avoided it like, oh, you know, there's this patriarchal, like we want to keep women safe. And, you know, we've studied all these drugs in men and not necessarily in women. So it's nice that we can have options now, um, to treat the low sex desire or different disorders, you know, female, um, what am I trying to say? (laughs) I can edit that out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, just a lack of Um, desire. Female genital arousal disorder, female orgasm disorder, right? So we've definitely got some issues that we need to sort out. And so just throwing a pill at it or throwing a medication at it isn't always the answer. So these can help to stimulate blood flow where we need it and release neurotransmitters in our brain to make us desire sex more. But it isn't a cure-all, okay? This is not magic. So Vilesi is a cool medication that acts on melanocortin receptor and it increases spontaneous desire. Um, So remember, we talked about that spontaneous versus responsive. So this is where you might be more interested in initiating it. Mm -hmm. So typically what you would do is it comes in a little injectable pen. It looks like an EpiPen Mm -hmm. and you inject it 45 minutes before you anticipate a sexual encounter, right? Um, It increases desire. It decreases distress but it doesn't always increase those number of sexual pleasurable experiences. So it may not increase the number of events per month, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're not necessarily looking when we're treating with these medications at increasing the frequency of sex necessarily, but increasing the satisfaction, actually enjoying it, right? Because if we enjoy it, then we'll be more inclined to have more. Exactly. The most common side effects, as you mentioned with Vilesi, is the nausea, like 40% nausea. And then you've got um, cough Mm -hmm. is another one, like a rare, a rare side (laughs) effect. Yeah. I don't Um, remember that one, but yes, yes. Yeah. So Addy is another one that we love. It's the little pink pill on the market. Mm -hmm. And um, it decreases serotonin and increases dopamine and norepinephrine. So it's the feel good medication, right? And so it helps you to really drop into your body because remember our biggest sex organ really is our brain, Mm -hmm. what we're thinking and feeling. If we have a bad body image or if our partner has been mean to us during the Mm -hmm. day, you know, you're like, we're not interested, right? But if we can like drop out of all the external, you know, the to-do list, the carpool line, like all the things that we're running through in our brain, can we drop out of our frontal lobe and really into our body and experience pleasure. Um, that's what it really helps us to do. And it there it does show an increase in satisfying sexual events per month. And with those who it works for, so it's like 50 to 60% of the time it works for patients, mm-hmm. um, it can increase like five times a month. Mm-hmm. Like if you're having no sex drive and you go to five satisfying sexual encounters per month, I'm Most in. people would call that a win. That's a win. Yeah. That's a win. Yeah. And you, and are you prescribing this to your patients? Yes. You are. Success. Yes. Success? 
Yeah. I mean, everybody is different, different. right? Everyone's Mm -hmm. different. So with Addy, it's a pill that you take every day. We take it at night to avoid the nausea because again, it has some dizziness and fatigue and nausea. And so we got to take it at night. Typically, you know, and you've got to take it for a couple of months till we see the full effect. So Mm -hmm. typically we do an eight week trial. Right. And if we're seeing success, we can continue. If it doesn't work, we stop and we try something else. Right. Now this is approved in actually premenopausal women. It wasn't studied in postmenopausal women, but we still use it off label Mm -hmm. in postmenopausal women. Right. And then you've also got the option of testosterone in postmenopausal women Mm -hmm. that can definitely help with sex drive. Right. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, that has helped me tremendously. And finally, you know, you, you look at all of mine, I've, I've been monitored for years, sometimes poorly, but the most time very well, you know, doing my quarterly labs and looking at my hormones, looking at everything. And, um, I'm good now. Like I'm where I should be like, Mm -hmm. I mean, across the board, Mm -hmm. but still there's some things missing, you know, and it's, it's me, it may be mental, it may be other Mm -hmm. things. So Mm -hmm. again, one size is not fitting all, you know, for sure. Right. Right. So, um, taking with low libido, if you're taking an SSRI, so a medication that's commonly used as an antidepressant, it can help with hot flashes. Um, when you take that in combination with testosterone, sometimes we see a significant increase in number of satisfying mm-hmm. events as well. And so that, especially if anxiety and depression may be playing into the whole aspect as well, right? Because if mm-hmm. we're dealing with depression and anxiety, like sex is the last thing on our list. Right. <laughs> right. So when we take this more of a multidisciplinary approach, it, it makes a big difference. You know, um, with menopause for me, I think I just need wood here. I'm going to knock on wood because <laughs> uh, I have never had a hot flash. Never had a hot flash. I know you're just looking at me like, yeah. what? I mean, and people do say that because I'm like, well, maybe I did. They're like, no, no, no. You would know if yeah. you had a hot flash. Yeah. You feel like you're heating up from the right. inside out. No, yeah. that's inaccurate. I would, I've not, I've not, I've kind of had I've sweat, but no. So what I have had are the other symptoms, no sleep, no sleep. Yes. And that affects your sex life too. A hundred percent. No sleep. hundred percent. If you are fatigued. Yeah. yeah. And, and the hot flashes is one of the biggest reasons why women aren't getting great sleep, right? Because they're mm-hmm. waking up at night, they're sweaty, they're uncomfortable. They can't cool off. The covers are off. The covers are on. Right. <laughs> and they're just miserable. Like <laughs> flipping. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're miserable. And so that disturbed sleep is a big part of it. Also, you know, we're so much busier in life in the midlife, right? Yes. So we're taking care of kids. We may have aging parents and we're trying to juggle all of the things. And so often women are taking care of everybody else and really not prioritizing that. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's just taking the things off of your plate that really aren't serving you mm-hmm. and allowing you space to really prioritize that and prioritizing sleep. You know, I know for myself and for a lot of women in my age group, they're, you know, spending the two or three hours after kids go to bed, just like debriefing, you know, oh, like they're yeah. taking a bath and watching Netflix. And, mm-hmm. you know, next thing they know, they're like, it's 1130 and these kids have to go. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's the sabotage. So actually our podcast episode that went out this week is on sleep and menopause with yes, the yes, sleep that's expert. on my list because it's yeah. true. It's, you know, again, but I can't turn my brain off. That's, that yes. is just a huge, huge, you know, in this business, it's, it's yes. any business, but you just can't turn your brain off. It's yes. different. Difficult, difficult, but yeah, I know. Okay, so another thing is frequent urination. Mm-hmm. Wanted to, want to throw that in because I've had people do that. I had the, I think I told you this, the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. which was the rap, vaginal rejuvenation. It mm-hmm. did help with with my, what do you call that? 
urgency to go, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to urinate. So that did help me personally. I have mm-hmm. friends that it didn't help so much. But again, that is a sign that you're in menopause, right? Well, it can be, definitely. Mm-hmm. And the vaginal estrogen actually helps with that. But also if we've got any pelvic organ prolapse or any pelvic floor dysfunction, that can lead. And also we sometimes we train our bladder to do this, you know, mm-hmm. like we pee just in case. And so if you're waking up to pee more than once a night, it's too much. And so, yes, making sure that you don't have a urinary tract infection, make sure you're taking your vaginal estrogen. And then I would probably recommend seeing a urologist to make sure that there's not something else going on there. But if it's just the frequency, it's probably that we've trained our bladder poorly. And seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist can help retrain that. And typically, you know, three to five visits and you've kind of got the skill set to kind of move forward in life without the handholding. That's amazing. Aren't you amazed at what's at our fingertips for women, especially right it now? Has, uh, it has evolved so much. It's so, so I, I finished residency in 2010. And when we moved back to Fort Worth in 2014, I just feel like since then, the, the growth in women's health, whether it's menopause, sexual wellness, pelvic floor physical therapy is just enormous. It's really amazing. It is. Yeah. And it's people like you and myself that are talking about this. I still get really kind of frustrated with my friends that are whispering in the corner. I'm like, yeah. girl, speak up. I mean, for the, everyone to hear. For sure, you know? Yeah, because share. Right, right. Because whenever we have these conversations, we're normalizing the experience, mm-hmm. right? And we're making it just so much more mainstream um, because for so long, whether it was puberty education, sex education, mm-hmm. like it's just all been so hush hush and we've learned it through and it's like a Mad Libs game, you know, like it comes across like so mixed up and misunderstood understood. Whenever we have these open conversations, it helps us to really advocate for ourselves and to know what we need. And sometimes it's just knowing that you're not alone. Exactly. You're not alone. I love that so Mm -hmm. much. Okay. Tell us how we can find you. Yeah, you can find me at skywomenshealth.com, um, at Sky Women's Health on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I've just renamed my other Instagram account as the Pregnancy Pain Doc because the other thing that we do is osteopathic treatment for pregnancy and postpartum pelvic and back pain. Wow, good for you. And yeah. your podcast is amazing. So helpful for oh, so many. Yes. I mean, for so many age. I mean, my daughter, even at 23, finds just so much information there. Oh, fantastic. So, I know. Yes. Well, yeah, so we're on all major platforms. Sky Women oh, is kind of the podcast is named after the practice. Well, great. Well, it's so great to see you. Thank you for your incredible information and all you do for women. It's just Amazing. Thank you. So glad to be here. And everyone, thank you so much for listening and following along. Remember, go to YouTube, Tiffany Blackman, and follow me on all platforms. And everyone have a wonderful day and keep being fabulous. Bye.